And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the phone line today is the Reverend Bill Shishko. Good to be with you again, Dan. Bill, it's great to have you here. And I think our listeners would find it interesting that um, you're a very close friend of mine um, because uh, when Redeemer was first getting started years ago, uh, you were so kind over my lunch break to often give me a call and pray with us, pray with me personally uh, about Redeemer Broadcasting. And I feel that the Lord is still answering those prayers. Praise and, the Lord. <laughs> yeah, and you're one of our faithful advisors. Um, today we have you on the phone because we want to talk about a subject that's near and dear to our hearts. And as a segue into this subject, before I mention what it is, I want to give a quick story about my dad. And some of our listeners have heard this story before, but uh, my dad is a senior, lives about three miles away, and the WFSO tower is on his land. But uh, dad has his land all paid for, and his house is paid for, and he has no debt. But uh, dad may end up losing his land and his house because taxation is so high. And uh, some of the seniors, I think, go through this. They get to a point in life where not much money is coming in. And what is coming in uh, goes towards food and taxes, and uh, the taxes are excessive. And when uh, the fall time rolls around, uh, Dad wonders how he's going to make ends meet. And, you know, that's a reason to be kind of down in the dumps, rather pessimistic, we might say. And so today's topic is that of staying optimistic in a pessimistic age. Bill, it's great to have you with us, and I'm just wondering if you can take it from there and help us think about this from a biblical perspective. Well, I'm not sure. I'm After giving that poignant story, I'm not sure I'm going to bring much encouragement for the first few <laughs> minutes, but hopefully after that, uh, things will get brighter. I mean, when you're dealing with the issue of, of excessive taxation and so on, we're dealing with, with really what has been sinful responses in the civil sphere. And that's, that's not exactly what, what, I'm, what I'm dealing with today. Sure. I, but, but I think we, we've got to grant, um, at least in our nation, this really is a pessimistic time. And uh, I mean, some of the things that, that come to my mind as a pastor, first is, is this, this rather dark and mysterious biblical dynamic called apostasy, in which you, you're, you don't, it's not paganism in which people have never heard the gospel, but we are in a country that of all nations has been blessed so richly by the things of the Christian faith, and we have been sinning against those things and are sinning against those things. And that brings the dynamic of Hebrews 6, 4 through 8 into play, or people can, can read it, but it's where, it, where it talks about actual, uh, I mean, opposition to the things of grace. Right. And then, maybe more simply, our Lord's words in Matthew five thirteen, where he says, if the salt has, has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's, it's only worthy to be trampled underfoot by men. And when you think of a, a very compromised evangelicalism in America, where the, where the specifics abound, well, we have that dynamic at work. And that, that certainly, not only is that discouraging, but it also cert- certainly does not invite God's blessing. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I think of um, the modern church today, and, uh, you know, if you turn on TV, and I know you probably don't watch much TV, but if you if you go through the religious channels, just that alone, 
for me, is enough to make me depressed. I think, wait a minute, this doesn't look like the Christianity that I understand, that I know. This is a circus. And, you know, if people think that this is what our Lord is all about, they've got a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah. years ago, Michael Scott Horton wrote a book called Made in America about the, the mutation of Christianity that is so common in our nation um, I, I, so, I mean, you certainly have that dynamic, and, and, and that's a big one. Yeah. I, the, the other is, and we have to be honest about this, these are biblical dynamics. There is, there is really a withdrawing of the Holy Spirit's restraining work. Uh, the Bible does teach that the Spirit strives with man, and the, and the Spirit... If the, if the Holy Spirit didn't restrain the world from being as wicked as it could be, we wouldn't yes. be here today. And what you're seeing in our country is, is, is what I, I call uh, the disrespect for the sacred, which I think is the root of our cultural decline. Then, beyond that now, what has stunned everybody, something we never thought we would see in this generation, is the active opposition to those with historic Christian convictions. You can think of what our chaplains are facing in the military, uh, the, the uh, religious organizations, the Roman Catholic Church, the Southern Baptist Convention, basically being required under a health care law to provide for, for those things that abort a child, that kill a child. These things would have been unheard of even five or six years ago. That adds to the discouragement. Um, the, the, I'm just going to say it seems that we are losing more and more of the upcoming generation, the so-called millennials. There is no doubt a decline in the growth of, of, of Protestant churches like the Southern Baptist Convention, your own denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America, or at least only modest growth. I mean, those things. Then you add to all of that the fear and the discouragement, you just alluded to it, that, that come from simply too much attention that we pay to the popular media. Mm. Um, any of the news outlets, conservative or liberal, the blogs that come, anyone knows that news plays on pessimism. Good news doesn't get much press, <laughs> but, but pessimism does. And, and today we are bombed by these things, and that is that is really putting a pall of discouragement over people. And then you, you simply add to that, and this is a topic all of its own, uh, evangelicals in America have for the last hundred, hundred plus years been exposed to grossly erroneous views of the end times in which Pessimism has received theological sanction. We're told you're not supposed to polish doorknobs on a sinking ship. Things are going to get worse and worse. But eventually the Lord's going to rapture us out of this mess and so on. That is so far removed from anything like an historic Christian understanding of the Scriptures. And all of those things together, you spell pessimism with capital letters. Yeah, that is so true. I particularly am sensitive to something you said, this notion that... Can I say that's shoved down our throats by some in the Christian community that says things are going to get worse and worse. They have to be this way. It's, it's a it's a 100% sure prophecy. There's nothing you can do about it. And yet I want to contrast that with another point you brought out, and that is that when a basically a people turn their back on God, it's almost like a... Um, a covenantal blessing and cursing scenario. I'm thinking back in the book of Deuteronomy 
um, I think it's 32, that takes place, I think, in a culture. If you turn your back on God, we don't have any right to expect his furthered blessing. Yeah, I think we have to be careful with that, because those covenantal blessings and curses um, in, in, say, the first five books of the Old Testament were given to Israel as a nation, that would have its parallel with the church, not so much civil nations today. Right. However, here's, here's the other side of it. As you read in the prophets, there are judgments on the nations like Assyria and Babylonia and Phoenicia for doing the very things Israel was told not to do. I mean, they are condemned for their idolatry and so on. Those, those patterns of God's dealing with the nations are things we need to take seriously. Yeah. And at the same time, your point is right, covenantal blessing and cursing in the covenant community, which is the church today. And what's scary is to see um, how, how churches, in so many, evangelical churches, in so many ways are doing those things that simply invite God's own chastening, if not right. judgment. Right. Hold that thought. I see we're up against a break here. Today on the phone line with me is the Reverend Bill Shishko. He's pastor of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Long Island in Franklin Square. Uh, he's one of the advisors here at Redeemer Broadcasting, a dear friend. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Our subject today is staying optimistic in a pessimistic age. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me on the phone today is the Reverend Bill Shishko. We're talking about the subject, staying optimistic in a pessimistic age. And uh, as we get started this side of the break, Bill, I wanted to share with our listeners just a short story. A couple weeks ago, we had a serviceman in here at the studio, uh, which is also a location of our house, to work on our air conditioner. And he stood out in the driveway. We got talking about something that is near and dear to our hearts, and that is entitlements. And he shared with me a true story. He says that 
a person was on the public dole, all right? In other words, he was on welfare, and he was purchasing bottled water. Uh, He would uh, then get his bottled water, exit the grocery store, go out into the parking lot, true story, pour out the water on the ground. He would then proceed to take the empty bottles and return them for the deposit money. Uh, and, you know, it's really an example of entitlements run wild. And I think it's one of thousands of examples that could be given of the economic mess that we have on our hands. And I contrast that with the words of Paul. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Yeah. Well, that's part of the whole matter of, of what I call the disrespect for the sacred. Um, there are things, I'll mention a sermon series a bit later, but the work ethic is something God has given for man as man in the garden. Um, and 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 this is this is being flouted under with the entitlement mentality. But see, that's a that's a spiritual issue. That's a religious issue. It's not mm-hmm. first a civil issue, and it's the kind of thing that needs to be addressed by the church. Yeah, and I think we fall into the trap quickly of thinking it's merely a civil issue. I'm glad exactly. you pointed that out. That when a person's heart goes away from God, and a, and a society's heart goes away from God, a lot of bad stuff happens as a result. Exactly. But, you know, if we keep going like this, we're not going to fulfill the title of the program, Staying <laughs> Optimistic in a Pessimistic Age, because by now we're all going to be even more <laughs> pessimistic. Um, yeah, you know, Dan, I, I, um, you have to work, really work hard. As in anything else in the Christian life, you have to work hard at it. And you need to work hard to stay optimistic. I, I think the first thing I would say, you've you got to kind of go above the fray We all need to give much more attention, to say the least, to what the Bible says, to what the Word of God says. I I told people that pessimism is emotional heterodoxy, and it really is. There, There is nothing about the Bible, particularly the New Testament, that feeds a pessimistic spirit. I'll give you some examples. We kind of, some things from the work from the Old to the New Testament. Mm -hmm. The promise that God gives to Abraham is a promise that in him all the nations will be blessed. You read about that in Genesis 12 and Genesis 17. That's the seed promise that that bears fruit in the New Testament when Jesus says that all the nations are to be discipled. It's a world-embracing promise of God's blessing. Psalm 2, the exalted Christ, asks the Father to give him the nations for his inheritance. How can you be pessimistic with that? <laughs> Psalm 72 is a beautiful picture of, of in, in, in highly symbolic form of the blessings of the gospel that are to go to all the nations. The kings bow before, the, before Christ Jesus. That's why we're to pray for kings in all in authority, that, that not only that we live peaceable and godly lives, but God will kings saved. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, this is astounding. Daniel receives a prophecy of the kingdoms that would come from his day on. And that prophecy culminates in a little stone who is Christ, who will crush the feet of what represents the Roman Empire. It will become a great mountain, filling the whole earth. How how can you read that and be pessimistic? <laughs> well, let me ask you this yeah. question. Some of the listeners will say, well, that's that's great. That's wonderful. Is this just the potential to be blessed, or is this truly a promise that it will really happen? Oh, it's a promise that it will really happen, and it does in church history. I love to, when people are pessimistic about the progress of the gospel, I love to say, look, how many people 
were faithfully following the Lord when he was crucified. I mean, arguably, just about everybody turned away from him. How many people were converted on the day of Pentecost? 3,000. How many are recorded as having been converted subsequently? 5,000. Are there more than 5,000 believers in the world today? I mean, hello, Mm, we're we're talking (laughs) about still the predominant religion in the world is Christianity. Now, not all of that is, is, is authentic biblical Christianity. There's a lot of corruption in it, but it's still some reference to Christ. Uh, so, so, I mean, that we, the, there's the answer to that, and of course, that's what Daniel sees. He, he sees literally a world-embracing and world-blessing Christianity. Mm-hmm. Let me just play quote-unquote devil's advocate a little bit more with you and uh, say this, or ask this. Some listeners might say, well, that's all well and good, but that's Old Testament. How do you answer that? Well, it's a pro- number one. It's a prophecy of the New Testament. <laughs> and, uh, number number and number two. There was nothing in the Old Testament that even when did a little stone in the Old Testament ever become a great mountain filling yes. the earth? That's certainly not not true of Israel. But even if you just go to the New Testament, it's amazing. John fourteen through sixteen. Jesus ends his his what really is his final public discourse to his disciples before he's to be crucified. And he says to them, in the world, you will have tribulation. This optimism doesn't mean we're not going to have tribulation. Good that, point. That, but, but we're going to cover that in just a minute. But he says, take courage. I've overcome the world. His <laughs> people are purchased. The devil is bound so that he deceives the nations no more. The language Paul uses in Second Corinthians 14 is he leads all things in a victory procession, all things in a victory procession. He leads captivity captive and gives gifts to men. He's given as head, Paul says in Ephesians 1, over all things for the sake of the church. I mean, Dan, our, our, quite frankly, our problem is we don't give serious attention to what the Word of God says. Yeah, that's what's coming to my mind. As I hear you speak these things, uh, these great promises from Scripture, which are just not potentials, but they're actually promises, they will be fulfilled, I think what we need to do is to simply focus more on these truths and not get sidetracked, um, as you've pointed out earlier with the latest uh, report on Fox News. Oh, exactly right, Dan. That's it. We have ministers... Ministers need to lead the Lord's people, pastors do, um, and all those ministering the gospel by telling people, don't get your view of history and the future from the media. Yes. You, you, get, you get your view from what the Word of God says. I, I, think the, I think the comment that comes is, yeah, but what about trials? What about tribulation? What about apostasy? Mm-hmm. And the trials and tribulations, Romans chapter 8 and verses 18 through 39 deals with that so magnificently. We are in a world under the curse that's laboring and in, in travail uh, for, the, for the revelation of the sons of God, for the return of Christ, no doubt. But Paul ends that up by saying... All things work together for good to those who love God and yes. to those who are the called according to his purpose. And what I think is, to my mind, one of the most captivating texts in the New Testament, Paul says, in the midst of all of these tribulations, you are more than conquerors. It is the only place where that particular Greek word is used. The word conqueror is used many times, particularly in, in the book of Revelation. What is more than a conqueror? Well, we conquer when we're in glory, 
and all evil is, is essentially cast into what hell will be for all eternity. Mm. More than a conqueror means that in this life, even in the midst of these tribulations, we, we are victors. God uses what seems to be defeat for victory and for strengthening in our lives. We're made mm. more holy. We persevere in our faith. We trust in the Lord more. We pray more. It's just that we have to think in terms of, of conquest, more in terms, again, of what the Scriptures say than, than what certain brands of theology do. I'll put yes. it that way. Yeah. Yes. Um, I love this, that um, we are to be more than conquerors. Now, what about the person out there, Bill, who... Um, pro- possibly have just lost a spouse. Um, yeah. Someone's just lost a very close friend, and they're going through a period of a dark period of the soul. Uh, what what can we say to that person? Yeah. Well, there, Dan. Of course, you you know me well enough to know the big passion of my heart is pastoral work. And while the Lord gives comfort, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and so on. The Lord uses, there's a reason why pastors are called shepherds and mm-hmm. under-shepherds. They represent Christ. And the, the specifics in this kind of sorrow are, 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 are they're not unique, but they, are, but they have a specificity to them that warrants shepherds with the heart of Christ sitting down with people and helping them talk through things and work through things. Uh, I, I think, again, part part of the declension in evangelicalism today has been a severe decline in the whole concept of ministry and what it is to preach and what it is to shepherd people. Um, and their people, people need, they, they need to read their Bibles, but they need someone who can open up the Word of God and minister to them and listen to them and deal with their specific situations. But see, even the fact that God provides that for people is a reason for optimism. The fact that people even have a pastor who ministers to them is a blessing of God. Mm. Amen to that. Yeah, and let me just mention one other other thing, Dan, because I know time is going by. Another part of our problem is that Americans are very, and and I love our nation, and I'm thankful for our nation, I really am, but but Americans think in terms too much of American Christianity as if there is no other. Well, the reality is, while we are experiencing severe declension in this country, there are areas in Africa in which there is a boldness standing for the historic Christian faith that puts us to shame. Mm. South Korea is sending out missionaries to the United States of America today. Brazil, the churches there that are many of them thriving, doing the same thing. You won't hear about this in the mainstream media, but even within the Middle East, there is a growing interest in the gospel that's coming to the people because they see, many of them, perhaps even most of them, that the terrorism of extreme Islam is not right and is destructive. No. So we need to be, and there are, there are outlets by which people can learn more about these things we just don't focus on in an America-centered Christianity. Yeah, well put. We're almost out of time. Why don't we take a quick focus now on practical suggestions for the people of God sure. um, to remain biblical Christians and optimistic? Yeah, well, I think the big one is to read your Bible and, and focus on the promises. I've mentioned a number of the texts. I, I, I'll give you an example. Reading the book of Revelation and, and realizing the book of Revelation is not about a seven-year period in the future. It, it is about things that will soon come to pass. It's, it's an unfolding 
of, of the way in which the Church will triumph over an apostate Israel, and the way in which the Church will triumph as it did over over a, a, a lordly Rome. And I, and I think if I could just mention a book, not that I agree with all the specifics, but it would be helpful for the listeners, Dennis Johnson's book, The Triumph of the Lamb, is a little oasis of sanity in the book of Revelation, <laughs> where there's a lot that, that, that really is not helpful, but, but that would be helpful. And that, that author's name again? Dennis Johnson, uh, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, Dennis Johnson, Triumph of the Lamb. Okay, thank you. The other thing, i got to make prayer, um, praying specifically for God's mercy, uh, that the Lord will bring not only revival, but bring repentance. Repentance precedes revival that there'd be a restored God-fearing spirit in our, in our country and throughout the world, and praying for bold ministries. Paul, the Apostle Paul in particular, says, pray for me that I might speak the word boldly as I ought to speak. Uh, that's a ministry in which a minister says everything he needs to say in the way he needs to say it. I can't overstate that. Revivals have come when God has raised up faithful ministers. And if, if I may be so bold, and you gave me permission to do this, so I will do it, mm-hmm. I'd urge people to listen to the sermon series I've been doing here for the OPC Franklin Square on Sunday evenings. It's designed to address the, the kinds of things you've brought up in related topics. It's called Salt and Light, Christians in the Public Arena. Um, and that's available through sermonaudio.com. I think you said you could provide a link on your podcast. But I, I think I, that series is designed to help our own people here on Long Island who raise Dan the same kinds of things you have, and they get discouraged. And I've tried to address some of the bigger issues in that series, Salt and Light, Christians in the Public Arena. Well, that's beautiful. What we'll do, Bill, God willing, is we'll include a link on the description of this podcast on our website, and we may put it in a news item as well. Salt and Light, Christians in the Public Arena. Um, We got on the phone today Bill Shishko of Franklin Square OPC Church on Long Island, and uh, what a joy it is, my brother, to talk with you. I see we're just about out of time. And um, maybe just one last suggestion for a person that's out there, a little bit discouraged today. What's the best thing they could do today to um, be a little more optimistic and look to our Lord? Well, I've already said it. Take your Bible and read it. Start with the New Testament. Read it. Take it for what it says. And then I would suggest connected with that, praying through the Psalms, all mm. of them. Beautiful. And uh, you need guidance so that you understand them properly as anything with the Scriptures. But that, that will help people immensely. Thank you so much. This has been A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me today on the phone is the Reverend Bill Shishko from Franklin Square OPC Church on Long Island. This broadcast is presented as a podcast up on our website. Check it out. We're found at Redeemer Broadcasting. And a quick reminder to join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.